I love watching cooking shows. I love it. Just watch, I watch all of them. They're just so great. They're so amazing. These are artisans, truly amazing people. And um, I don't know, everybody has their like little niche or thing that they like to check into or watch. And I just am like, that is amazing. You, what you just did is amazing. And what I have found in my vast knowledge of all of these shows and these chefs is there is one ingredient that is quite literally in every recipe. Salt. Salt. <laughs> to the glory of God. All you salt people out there. Salt. And it doesn't matter if it's this like big protein dish or if it's pasta or if it's vegetables or any of that or even desserts. Even desserts. There's always like pinch of Salt, you have to have it. It changes the game for everything that there is to consume in this life. And this salt thing has this massive reaction when it does, comes into food. It enhances it, it brings it forward, and it, it just such, it's this essential ingredient. It's actually essential to eating food. And that's what God wants to say about you. It's what he wants to say about me. It's what he wants to say about us. You are essential. You are Jesus' church and you are essential to this world knowing who he is and what he's like. It's who you are. We're gonna look at Matthew chapter five. Jesus is gonna say some pretty profound words. This is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most prolific, powerful the greatest sermon ever preached. And he's going to make these statements here, starting in verse 13. They're going to have huge implications for just any one of us that calls themselves a follower of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. Salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, I shall... It's saltiness be restored. It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Essential. Critical. So is, by the way, light. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Go one more over. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So here, let's just pause. You are. This is Jesus standing before his people, people that are going to follow him. And he's just going to make a definitive statement. You are salt of the earth. You are light of the world. Powerful and profound thing that he's saying. He's saying, these things, salt and light, are essential to the world that we live in. They're as essential, by the way, today as they were then. But the truth is, they were even more so when this book or this letter is being written. For Jesus to actually say, church, you are salt and you are Light is to speak volumes about actually what he thinks about you. You came into faith. When you came into this relationship with him, he, he wanted to make a declaration 
and to say, this is something that I, I see in you and on you. When he says salt and light, he's not talking about these small things. He's talking about something that's critical. Because salt, by the way, just wasn't just about flavor. Certainly not in Jesus' day. We know that it was. They did, there was no electricity. There was no refrigeration. It's critical that salt is this preservative. You put salt on meat, and all of a sudden, the thing that was supposed to spoil in no time actually gets preserved and taken care of. It actually allows for something great to happen in the days ahead. Right? It's used actually it was used in small doses as fertilizer to grow things. It kills off sicknesses. I don't know. Um, you guys, I don't know, you ever, you, you, did your mom ever make you have to, when you had a sore throat, gargle salt water? Anybody had to do that? If you, by the way, if you haven't, this is just, just for, if you, when you feel a sore throat coming on, warm salt water, gargle it. It's awful. It's the worst. But it's a game changer. This is, by the way, this is the kind of preaching I know you come to expect here, is to get this kind of information. It's for your health. Salt and what? Oh, soul and body. Yeah, well, health. I'm just giving it all. I'm just helping your throat out and your heart. Um, salt's a big deal. It takes what? I don't know what's happening over here, but I'm just gonna keep on moving. I don't trust what you're saying over there, Brad. The, our word, by the way, salary. Word salary actually comes from the root word of salt. You know why? Because Romans, especially Roman soldiers, they were often paid in salt. Their wages were paid in salt. That's how critical, how important salt was in this day. It was basically like gold. It was the monetary standard. You had salt, you could take care of a multitude of things in the scope of your life. So when Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, you become something completely different. Same as light. Today, you can flip on a switch. Light's important. We got like 100 of them in here. It's kind of a big deal. You couldn't really function, certainly then, without light. But today, you can tell, like, Alexa, turn on a light, it's on. But they didn't have that back then. Light was everything. You lived your world from sun up to sundown. That was it. And then if you needed light, you would have maybe a lamp that was fueled by oil. And it was, therefore, it was really costly to burn. So if anyone ever is lighting a lamp, it's a big deal going on. And Jesus is going, you are light of the world. Salt of the earth. And what that means is the followers of Jesus, his church, you're meant to be seen. You're meant to be experienced. That's a big deal. God cares about actually our position in the world around us. You're going to have an impact in 1968. There's an artist, Andy Warhol. He 
said this phrase, made a phrase, and it actually stuck in our culture. It goes, in the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes, which 1968, just, it's a, a kind of a pretty significant thought. I mean, understanding and thinking about what's coming in the future. Because since that time, it's kind of become part of like our nomenclature. It's like everybody's going to get their 15 minutes of fame. You ever heard that phrase? That's where it comes from. 15 minutes of fame. Everybody's looking for it and everybody wants it, right? Now with the invention, if you will, of the internet and social media and all those things, everybody's kind of like looking for the opportunity, this 15 minutes of fame. That phrase stuck because we want to be seen. We do want to be seen. There's actually something in the human framework that wants to be seen in some way, shape, or form. And I don't think that's necessarily actually a bad thing. And I think, listen, it's okay to look for and and see that so long as it's motivated in the right way, right? We love to take, I mean, pictures of ourselves. I just was looking up the, doing the research on selfies, 93 million selfies taken every day, taken and posted every day, 93 million, 93 million. Just Just with you and your duck face out there, just getting it. You know, looking awesome. Just an opportunity to share yourself with the world, right? Social media just actually opened up this wide open door that there's this human framework going, I, I, I do want to be seen. And I think there's probably some amazing ways, and I think there's some really narcissistic and broken ways that that can all be manifested. I don't have time to go into all that. But that reality exists. I actually think it's a part of God's intent and design for our lives, There is something that's meant to be seen. It is amazing to me, by the way, how the gospel keeps, this good news keeps answering this cry in our hearts, whether it's to be loved or to belong or to matter or actually to be seen or experienced. It's it's amazing to me how God has wired the human framework to long for these things, and there are really broken ways to experience all that, and then When you come into this walk with the Lord, you get radical, meaningful, powerful ways to experience and live out what the human heart's crying out for. And God just keeps answering this. Jesus, he goes on, he goes, says, you're the light of the world, verse 14. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But they put it on a stand and it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. The world, hear this. Man, the world is desperate to see something real. Just want to see something Real, powerful. They're looking high and low. The world's looking for light. They're looking for a way. They're hoping the next politician will do it. They are hoping the next artist will do it. They are hoping that the next uh, smart philosophical mind will come and bring it. Just clamoring and looking for light. They want it. And the Lord's just saying, I know where it is. It's going to come from me, and it's going to be in you. 
You are the light of the world. That is amazing. The church is meant to be seen. The people of God are meant to be experienced. We're supposed to. Now, it's possible you're going to wait, Pastor. If I remember right, there's like a whole part where even actually in this sermon, Jesus is saying like, you need to not do things to be seen. You ever feel that? You ever go through scripture and you're like, wait a second, wait a second. This doesn't feel right. Matthew chapter six, you can flip over if you want to. We'll put it on the screen. Jesus is in the same powerful communication. This message says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Okay, all right, where are we going? Jesus, where are we at here? For then you'll have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets as they, uh, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And if your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So here's the question, which is it? Is it let your light your life shine, or is it do it all in secret? And the answer is yes, both. How do you like that? What's he talking about here? Jesus is addressing the motive of the heart. That's what he's going at, and he always is. And this is what's amazing. This is what makes Jesus so different than every other broken, false deity out there. Every other deity is saying, You better prove yourself. You better show up. You better get in line. You got to somehow arrive. And Jesus is going, hey, you can't do it. I'll do it for you. So I I care about is your heart. What I care about is your motive. Why you do the things you do. And what Jesus is saying here is, hey, as far as it's possible, we don't pray and we don't give and we don't serve so that people can see us and think highly of us. That's not the aim. When Jesus is saying, you're the light of the world and salt of the earth, he isn't going, make your aim so that all these awesome people think that you're awesome yourself. No, he's going to say, we're going to give and we're going to pray and we're going to do and we're going to serve because the Father sees us. The Father and my life is about him and not me. That's what it means to be a light. This is the subtle shift. All the amazing and beautiful things you were meant for in this life are for one purpose, helping a broken, dying, desperate world find salvation in life through you, through your purpose through your calling not so people can just say oh man you're amazing but you can just keep pointing to the amazing one how amazing is that how incredible what what an unbelievable job what an unbelievable profession this is actually your profession it actually doesn't really matter whether you're a teacher or a pastor or broker, an insurance agent, doesn't really matter actually kind of what your career path is. Your job is actually wherever you are 
helping people see him. And man, what a weight that takes off you. I don't know if you ever feel a weight to trying to be the good Christian out in that messy world out there. And just, the Lord's just pulling down performance. Like you got to perform for all these people. He said, I don't need any of that. You do the performance thing where you're going to get seen so that people think you're awesome, don't need it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to live under that trap. You just get to actually be you in me, Christ in me, and then let people see your light shine. This is how the world is going to be transformed. This is the craziest thing. The world will actually be transformed through salt and light. And you are salt and light. Man. And so we want to live these authentic lives where we just get to follow him. And when we authentically just follow Jesus, we don't have to try to be seen. It just happens. Let me say that again. When you're just following Jesus and walking with him, you don't have to try. You just get to be seen. It's inevitable. You end up being a city on a hill. The people of God are following after him. They just get noticed. They get asked questions. They get, they, people look at you funny. Like you don't, that's weird how you think. It's weird how you do your marriage. It's weird how you do your parenting. It's weird how you treat your employees. It's weird how you treat your boss. It's weird. Why are you not engaging this gossip with me right now? It's weird. You're just different. Who we are will be seen. And who we are is going to have an effect on others. Who we are will have an effect on others. It really will. Um, one of the funniest things I remember when I was first, uh, when we, I was dating my future wife, soon-to-be wife. Um, we'd go out to eat with my parents, and we, and we were in West Texas, so we always go to Mexican restaurants to the glory of God. It was amazing. You're at a Mexican restaurant, and for my whole life, my, my mom would immediately reach for the salt and start salting up the chips. It's awesome, because you can never have enough salt on chips. And um, so after, like our first time eating with my parents, my Megan would be like, um, is, does, you, does your mom always add the salt to the chips? Always? Because she's like, because I... They were pretty decent salty before. <laughs> She's just getting blown away. She's just trying to eat a chip, and she's just getting salt, you know? It's just like, you get, listen, you're going you're gonna to taste, taste salt whether you want to or not. Salt's going to have its effect, right? Both good, but uh, let's just be honest, a little bit bad also, right? Too, too much salt's like, hey, okay? Salt actually has its effect no matter what. It always does. It enhances the food or it just overpowers it, right? We've all had that dish that was like, ooh, hey, we're trying to get there. It's too precious to waste, at least in that day, too precious to waste, too valuable to throw away. Because salt was actually about bringing hope. At least in this day where Jesus, it's actually about bringing hope. It's just, 
being able to preserve and to keep something for another day. That was the point of it. Salt's preserving food that would ruin normally, and it's now it's not. And Jesus is saying, you are, we are, I am salt of the earth, and we're going to have an effect on other people. And that can be positive, but let's be honest, it can be negative. Uh, in the first century, in this, in this time where Jesus is living, he's speaking these words, and entertainment was just as much a part of that culture as it is today. Entertainment has always been. People have always been clamoring for entertainment. So they, uh, entertainment was one of the ways they promoted a way of life. As, just as it is today, entertainment does the same thing here, just promotes ways of living, philosophies. It's putting all those forward. And one of the forms of entertainment was the theater. So the, uh, people would come together. They would want to watch the theater. So men would come up on stage. Women weren't allowed to be actors at the time. And so it was just men on stage. And so in order to be able to play different multiple kinds of characters, the way they did theater back in the day was they would wear masks and those masks would indicate masculine or feminine or those masks would indicate happy or sad. Uh, even today, uh, that when, you th- when you think of theater, it's often, um, it, uh, it's often shown in the, this uh, picture of masks. Y'all f- familiar with that, right? That's where that comes from. That's how acting kind of first operated. Each person would play multiple characters showing different masks. The, they called the actors in a play hypocritans. Hypocritans. Sound like an English word? Hypocrite. And the original idea of a hypocrite was one who would play many parts. One who would show different faces in different places or at different times. Be one person and then you could be a completely different person. This is where the picture of hypocrites goes. And this is, by the way, if there's a, any one thing or any one strike against the church, let's be, also, uh, let's be uh, honest, is that the church is just full of hypocrites. You've certainly heard it. You might even felt it. And so Jesus is, I think, waving the flag here for a minute. I say we're meant, to, we're meant to be seen. We're meant to be experienced, meaning we're, gonna, we're meant to have an effect on the world around us. And I think if that were honest, that complaint about the church is sometimes deserved because rather than being a people who are in deep need of being transformed in deep need of each other to continue on in this life often what happens with the church is we will stand on our moral high horse and put our nose down on others who have not risen to our morality and have rather than created a beautiful light city on a hill, have pointed our finger at a broken world and said, how dare you? And so the church has often been experienced in these ways, that this has been the salt, if you will, And yet when we gather here in these rooms, and I think when we gather in our groups, our community groups and our study groups, what are we talking about all the time? 
We're talking about what it means to be lost and broken and what it means to be hopeless until we found Jesus. And we talk about God as this creator and sustainer and this incredible father doing this unthinkable thing and sending his one and only son. We talk about maybe the most important things that there are to man. Maybe, the mo- it is not, maybe it's the most important thing. And people are watching to see if we actually believe it. They're just watching. And they're throwing out the thing hypocrite because I think at times they aren't seeing and experiencing and sensing the power of when the gospel comes and changes us. And so when he says, you're the salt of the earth, what Jesus is saying is we get to be an expression of what it means to have been saved from our brokenness, saved from wrath. And the world's longing to see a people, hear this, who don't just attend church, but they are the church. And they are with authenticity and purity longing to just follow the magnificent one with their lives, with their decisions, with their thoughts. And so the world just wants to see meaningful, authentic faith. That's what they want to see. They want to see a people of integrity because integrity is actually the opposite of hypocrisy, right? Integrity means we don't nod our head in agreement with something in the church and then just go live a completely different way. And integrity means we're seeking to be the same person that when you're up here preaching or singing or showing up here on Sunday morning as you are when you're at work and when you're at school and when you're on the golf course, fellas. Integrity just means we want to live consistently in every arena. And when people get to see it, hear this, even when it's imperfect, it gets to have an effect. And I just want to speak to that because I want to ask that question because this is really important for those of you who maybe have been hurt by the, the church because she was not full of integrity because there was harm or hurt done in the name of the church. How do we live these lives of integrity when inevitably we are all going to fall short and fail? So here's the big question. You ready for this? There's a big reveal. I got a secret. This is the secret on how we live lives of integrity even though we're going to fall short, we're going to fail. All right, you ready for this? We confess and we ask for forgiveness. You want to know what the superpower is for the people of the world to look at the church and not see hypocrite? As we are a people who say, I'm so sorry I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Bosses to your employees and friends to each other and husbands to your wives and wives to your husbands and parents to your children. 
I'll stand up here. I got kids. My kids are on the front row. I love it because they get to see me preach here every week. And they know there's no way I could. I preach a bajillion times a year. It feels like anyway. It's like 46, but it feels like a bajillion. (laughs) I'll stand up here. I couldn't possibly live everything perfectly I proclaim here. Can't do it. My kids have seen me be a total jerk at home. You don't know why they're able to sit on the front row? Yes. Thank you for the emphatic (laughs) nodding of your head. They sit on the front row and they can be here with me and they can be a part of the church and lead because I've had to come to them many times and say, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I was wrong. I wish the church would do that. I think the world would so much love the church. If we stopped with standing on a moral high. Listen, we are all called to a moral standard in, in Christ. We actually are. We're called to do marriage and humanity and sexuality. We're called to do these things in a manner that is in line with the character and the nature of God. We are. But when we fail, can we own it and say, I was wrong, would you forgive me? And all of a sudden, the church goes from this thing over here that no one can relate to, to, oh my gosh, that's how your marriage works. Oh my gosh, that's why your kids don't hate you. Oh my gosh, that's why your employees enjoy working for you. It's a game changer. Come on, church. Salt and light, not because we're perfect. Salt and light because we found the perfect one and we're just coming after him and saying, come with us. We're broken too, but let's go find him and live with him and walk with him. This is what it means to be the church. Thanks, Luke, for reading my mind. You guys stand. We've just got three minutes left. We just want to ask you, Lord, right now, I'm just going to finish for this few minutes here as a chance to just be real with you. I'll just say this. I'm going to give you a moment to confess. You don't have to come up on stage. I'm not going to ask you to say anything out loud. But you do get to be real with God. And I just want to say this. I think men, you need other men you can do this with. And women, you need other women you can do this with. You can be real with it. Confess. It's hard. It really strikes at a spirit of pride. If you've been hurt because you've confessed and someone wounded you and hurt you, the Lord sees that. He understands that, knows that, wants to invite you back into a safe place with him. So if you feel comfortable, would you open your hands up? You Hold your hand. You don't have to do this. There's nothing magical about this. But if you feel comfortable, to do this. And we just come before you now, Father. King Jesus, Spirit of God. We just confess, hey, here are the places that have been broken in me and I just want to offer it to you. I want to confess or I want to agree. 
that I'm broken and I've been wrong in this place and I'm offering this to you. My act of worship. Hand it over to the Lord. Forgive me, Father. Forgive the guilt of my sin. Forgive me where I've fallen short. Confess. I need you. That's the confession. We need you. And you let him receive that from you. Let him take it. This is why Jesus went to the cross so you could do this cleanly here. And in exchange, now receive the righteousness of God. Let it wash over you. Holy Spirit, wash us right now. Pure, holy, righteous, clean, mine. We receive, God, purity, beauty, glory. And we just finish this morning by saying, God, would you give me a brother or a sister? I can be real with brothers, sisters just would you, if you don't have that would you give me a safe place to share my struggles and my needs to share my hurts to share my wins just give me people trustworthy people imperfect people but would you grant that to me in this life Lord, until I see you until we see you face to face We need each other. It's what it means to be the church. Would you do that, Lord, here? We need it. Safe place, safe place, trustworthy place, God. We thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you're the only perfect one and we trust you. We're gonna follow you. We're gonna be your church. Alive. Salt and light, come on. Would you just say this with me? I am salt of the earth. Say that. I am salt. Say, I am the light of the world. Come on. We're going to live in our declared identity from the Son of God. Not because we've been worthy, but because he is worthy and he's made his home in us. And if you're here and you've not asked Jesus to be your Lord, not asked him to be king, not asked him to be savior, not asked him to be friend, and you're invited to do that, We'd love to pray with you. Pray with you, connect with you. We're gonna finish this morning. We'll have a few prayer partners. We'd love to pray with you about anything going on in your world. God, we thank you. Keep leading us. Keep growing us. Keep allowing us to have an effect on this world to be a light, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That's what we're asking. It's in your name we pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love y'all. We'll see you next week.